will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another episode of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. And back after a two-month hiatus, it's good to be uh, on the air with you today. Father James Gross from the Diocese of Fargo, joined by my classmate and fellow priest of the diocese, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Father Gross, it is great to be here in studio. There, There was a... There was a horrible rumor going around that you were not going to be here today because of illness, but I see you're you're back from the dead, so it's great (laughs) to have you here. Well, in the last week or two, we've had quite a few parishioners, and then also when you're uh, involved with religious ed and then in a school and stuff like that, whatever is going around tends to catch up with you. Well, um, yeah, I had had a, a... a pretty sizable lunch on Tuesday, and really nothing much was happening with that until late Tuesday night, and I'll leave the rest to your imagination. <laughs> imagination. There we go. And uh, so in rapid-fire um, uh, course, there were a bunch of flu-like symptoms that were sweeping through, uh, including yesterday, but it was really of the 24-hour variety. I'm not completely back yet, but I'm uh, to the point where I'm not uh, um, incapacitated or totally contagious. I know it's, it's always more fun to have you in studio than to listen to myself talk <laughs> all day long. So <clears throat> there, there's strength in numbers to be sure with the, with the two of us here. So, um, Father Leffer, would you go ahead and kick things off for us with an opening prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. We glorify you. Uh, we come before you with great joy in the Word incarnate, the Word made flesh. Uh, your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit going forth through these airwaves now. Uh, may that Spirit of God come into our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memory, memories. May it enliven us, make us fully spiritually alive, and may it um, go forth to draw all souls uh, into your great and mighty kingdom. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord, in the name of the Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And how about uh, St. Margaret of Scotland? Pray for us. St. Gertrude. Pray for us. Yes, indeed. So there are several of those wonderful saints throughout the course of this week and this past week here. So on today's program, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we will have our straight talk segment. And so we invite you to start thinking about the questions that you may have to bring to us about things uh, in the faith, things uh, going on, how uh, the faith... uh, Uh, response to things going on in the world today. We'd love to hear from you on that. In the second hour, we're going to be looking at a couple of uh, wonderful uh, books and authors um, dealing with uh, the virtues according to St. Thomas Aquinas, as well as um, ecclesial movements and new communities in the church. I think that's something that a lot of people may not have much familiarity with, so I'm looking forward to that conversation as well. But before we get to any of that, it's time to resume our saunter down literary lane as we have with us uh, Nancy Gord uh, coming back uh, with us. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. 
Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. And we also have uh, our brother priest from the Diocese of Fargo, uh, chaplain at uh, Shanley and Sacred Heart in Fargo, Father William Slattery. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Father. Thank you, and good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to have you guys with us. We are going to be talking about certainly one of the most uh, prolific writers, I guess you might say, within the church um, in the last century, uh, a man uh, who became known to history upon his election as Pope uh, John Paul II, Carol Wojtyla. And when you look at just the staggering amount of things that he had written in his pontificate, whether it be homilies, encyclicals, you know, all of these other uh, documents and treatises, but he was um, he he had his creative juices flowing far before this point as well. We're going to be looking at the play, The Jeweler Shop, during our conversation today. But Father uh, Slattery, if we could turn to you first and and give us a little bit of a primer on kind of the the background of. Um, uh, Pope uh, St. John Paul II and uh, set up uh, the, the work that we are going to be uh, looking at today. Yes, and I'm sure most of our, our, our listeners are uh, are familiar with the life of, of Pope John Paul II, but uh, just as a little bit of a summary today, um, you know, prior to his entrance into seminary, he was a university student studying uh, Polish literature and poetry and uh, he was very enthralled with drama and theater. Um, and uh, this was all during the, the occupation of Poland by both the uh, Germans and the Russians, the Russian communists during um, World War II. And so uh, during this time, there was a lot of uh, strife and struggle um, in, this time in the city, of, in city, especially of Krakow, where, where he was, um, and then also at uh, the country of Poland, um, there was a lot of work to get rid of the Polish culture. And as a university student, um, John Paul II kind of worked subversively against those pushes to um, kind of eliminate the Catholic faith and Polish culture uh, by forming an underground theater that was called the Rosatic Theater. Um, and so with his mentor, they uh, produced uh, plays. A lot of them were centered on kind of the style of parable. Um, but they would do these plays in, in homes um, and kind of hosted. And these are very small kind of one acts, most of them, um, that uh, they would do with their friends and other uh, university students um, to keep keep alive the beauty of the Polish language, culture, faith, um, and to um, express kind of through gesture, the, theatric, the power of theatric gesture, um, the voice of freedom in a time of... Uh, oppression and occupation so, and so one of sorry go oh, ahead sorry uh and then just uh kind of continuing that um uh, he, he he wrote a lot of plays personally and he was an actor in this uh, underground theater um and then the one we're going to talk about today the jeweler shop um was one he actually wrote after he was ordained and when he was working as a parish priest it's called the jeweler shop and the main context of the the play it's a three-act play um, it's centered on the drama of marriage and the beauty of Christian understanding of marriage. And so maybe before we, we actually get into the content of the Jewish Shop, Nancy, could you help our listeners understand what... So the organization that started was called the Rhapsodic Theater. And wh- how is that different than, like, say, going to... Like, I, I just went to a local production of... Um, 
uh, that the, our kids put on play, which is wonderful. But this Rhapsodic Theater, it's, it's a little different. How, how is it different than, say, maybe a normal play that, or drama you'd go see? Well, so much of it is introspective, and it's contemplative, and it's poetic in nature. And it, there isn't a great deal of action. There is a lot of philosophy and thought put forward about marriage in this short play in three very short acts. And so you don't see that kind of, say, in a musical. You don't see all the activity. You don't see the choreography. You don't see a lot of um, strong movement. It's all very contained before the jeweler's shop, even though they might reflect upon time as a couple spent on a mountain hike or another couple mentioned skiing. Everything is really in the spoken word. And I think that that makes it, it would make it easier, I think, to hear the performers say these words and to hear their expressions. And it, it makes it kind of a challenging read, I find, particularly the first act. But it is so, rings so true to me, reflecting upon my own marriage, um, marriages you read about in literature, other marriages whose stories you know, about what it means to be married, to be one and the other, to be together, and not within each other, but also in Christ. Very good. Um, so let's uh, dive into some of the particular things about uh, this play, uh, The Jeweler's Shop. Uh, first of all, um, maybe just to kind of get the obvious out of the way, uh, the, what it is named after. How does, uh, uh, how does Wojtyla use this um, location, you know, kind of in, 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 the, in the midst of the plot? What does that have to, to do with everything? Well, it, it really is. It's three couples coming before the jeweler's shop, and you have a couple who is engaged, the very first couple, Andrew and Teresa, and that becomes a love that transcends death. But they are looking at the rings. They're reflecting upon the re- their relationship thus far, how they are going to step forward. And what I find what is done so well by the playwright is that they see reflections of themselves, these three couples, in the jeweler's shop. And it's also a reflection upon marriage. But you have one couple in the first act about to buy the rings. In the second act, there is a broken marriage. The woman wants to sell her wedding ring, and she's there at the jeweler's shop. And the third one, the third act, is a couple, Christopher and Monica, who are children of the two other couples. And they're together to choose a ring and to be married. So everything is central to the jeweler shop. And the jeweler himself is a wise character in this. This play was made into a movie. It was an Italian production. And Burt Lancaster played the jeweler. And after I found out about that, then, of course, I just imagined Burt Lancaster as this yeah, jeweler. But, but he is the wise, experienced one. So everything comes before the jeweler's shop, either outside, looking through the window, or inside the shop. Okay. Um, Father Slattery, any kind of follow-ups uh, uh, to that, uh, kind of the, the setting of the story? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it, the, the, the importance, especially of the jeweler's shop, um, 
you know, this is written during the time of occupation um, still, and that's kind of part of, uh, I think, what, like Waitia's kind of uh, way to bring something transcendental um, into the storyline of uh, most of us would kind of consider the meeting point for married couples to be a church, um, but using the, kind of the jeweler shop, he's also able to bring those transcendental parts of uh, the Christian understanding of marriage as a, again, union of spouses and the love of God. Um, and then a way in which if this was found, you know, uh, wouldn't bring, you know, it wouldn't be as clearly as evident. And so you kind of see the, the strains of the occupation kind of play out, um, but using that creativity to point to um, kind of how to resist and speak the truth in a time of occupation. Um, I think I love uh, the first act. Um, it's called Signals um, mm. between both uh, Teresa and Andrew. Um, that this, uh, again, these are the young, in, newly engaged couple as they're looking mm. at the hopes and dreams. Um, and there's uh, tinges of, of uh, in, in the uh, references to signals is because of kind of this kind of desire to call out, sort of like in the, being able to be on the same frequency in a certain way. Uh, uh, and so the, the, the woman, Teresa, is kind of expressing kind of this uh, early struggle that she had, and so it's kind of a suffering uh, in which she felt that uh, Andrew uh, kind of had no interest in her. She was infatuated. It seemed like, you know, almost like cross-signaling. And, uh, you know, and then this kind of uh, ability to then be able to communicate that in the same way um, Andrew always felt like he wanted to put out this bridge uh, between his world and her world, like how to communicate, how to communicate becomes one of the common struggles mm-hmm. in marriage. And uh, kind of the reflection at the end of, of this is that reality that no bridge is needed because they inhabit each other's worlds. Um, I was... Yep, we are going to be stepping away in just a moment for a break. But I was I was struck by, especially in the parts that I read there in in uh, in the first act, um, you know, the sweetness and the sentimentality that was you know really a part of the interplay uh, between the, the between the two between the engaged couple. That this is th- this is an author who is not you know filled with hang-ups and kind of a puritanical sort of a style that he, you know, really leans into the romance, but in, you know, in a very uh, secure and a wholesome way, too. Yep. Right, and it's also that Andrew, as he discusses his side of the, this matter of marriage, he says, I kept going back to Teresa, you know, that I kept being drawn back to her. In spite of maybe noticing other women, I always went back to her. And also the signals kind of refer back to their mountain experience when they were on a, a trek through the mountain, too, and they had heard a sound, a cry. Mm-hmm. And she right. reflects on Andrew's reaction to this, too. So that, that is a, a similar thread that runs through there, too. It kind of almost goes from the mountains through their relationship. Yeah. Well, we're speaking with uh, Nancy Gordon, Father Slattery, about The Jeweler's Shop, a play by Pope John Paul II, and Father Leffer, I know, is chomping at the bit to dive deeper into some of these things Always with chomping. regard to the, the character names and the symbolism, and we'll, oh, we'll yeah. uh, look at that in just a moment. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? 
visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. Uh, I remember even during that time, and, and this was uh, during the beginning years of John Paul II's pontificate, and whenever I heard him on TV, because he was always in the news, especially with his travels in Eastern Europe, Poland and all, I, I would hear the things that would come out of his mouth and I would go, there's no way this person is not close, closer to God than I am. Mm. Uh, you know. So I always had this sort of secret respect for, uh, for John Paul II. Of course, I never said this to any of my <laughs> brethren friends. You, know. you wouldn't dare. No, of course not. But I, 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 I don't mean to disparage them because they taught me to love the scripture. And interestingly enough, even though they, they do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the sacrament. They had communion every Sunday, and so they really taught me to love the Lord's Supper uh, and to love the Scriptures, and so I'm really thankful to them for that. What if you could earn a degree that offers the best of both worlds, an MBA and a master's degree in philosophy? The University of Mary offers one degree that combines world-class business training with a careful study of life's deepest questions through their combined MBA, MA, and philosophy program. By earning one degree in both philosophy and business online, you will rigorously engage the big ideas needed to address professional challenges. Visit catholicprofessional.life. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross joined by Father Jason Leffer. We're coming to you from the studios here in Grand Forks, the beautiful Southside Historic District in downtown Grand Forks. And uh, what has been, at least for the last week or two, um, milder than average conditions here in the fall. That's really been a relief after the early winter storm we had in late October. I think it's really uh, perked people up to not be uh, swamped by wintry conditions that whole time. At the bottom of the hour, we will be starting our Straight Talk segment, and this is a time to hear from you. Uh, we invite you to call in at 877-795-0122 with your questions. You can also leave them on our Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. So we're, yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's a delight to be going over the jeweler shop by Carol Waitiwa, who is famously known as St. John Paul uh, II. And um, so I thought we could um, let our listeners know, so there, there's, there's some basic characters that form this play. And it's interesting if we do, if we look at the names, like how he lines up the names and who they are. So the, the one couple is Andrew and, and uh, Teresa. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. A- Andrew in Greek means man or manly, which he ends up being the sacrificial man in the play, right? Uh, Teresa, mm-hmm. it's interesting, means late summer or one who's, who's fading. And, and she's the, the widow. She ends up being this widow mm-hmm. who holds things together, right? St- uh, Stefan means crown or crowned one. Um, and then his wife Anna means grace, and they're they're the couple who are struggling, 
who right have given up, but yet in the end they're they're saved by this mysterious figure who appears. And then each of these couples have a uh, a child. Or they have well, so Christopher is the son of Andrew and Teresa. Christopher means Christ bearer, and he pursues Monica, and Monica means alone or solitary. Right. So if mm. you if you just look at their names and the meaning of their names, you can see that uh, Pope John Paul II chose them on purpose, and he's named these characters specifically, and the the meaning of who they are comes out in the play. But how about could we focus in for a minute on this this mysterious character who comes in and out of the play, and he shows up, and we can't tell is he Father Time, is he is he actual real character in the play, is he figurative? But his name is Adam. Of course, Adam means uh, dirt. That's what it means. It's the original name for the first man, the first human being. And John Paul is known for theology of the body, where he speaks about Adam as male and female. This full complementarity of humanity, male and female. So, how about if we could start with Father Slattery, but then Nancy too would get your version. Mm-hmm. Father Slattery, could you give who who is Adam? Who's this mysterious character, Adam? He, I, I mean, the way I've kind of read it is just like the, almost like the first man, and so um, he is the first man. But like in escultural reference, like uh, after after the reality of Christ, so he represents knowing the the faults of sin, but also the hope and redemption that's possible um, through the love of God. Um, and so he represents in a real way. Um, the, the original call of human beings, um, even through this. Uh, reality of marriage to a life of happiness, um, the the valley of sorrow and, and death that comes through rejection of love, um, but then the hope uh, and, and and the surety that it is uh, through through Christ that it's renewed. So that's been always my reading of it. Now, and what do you think, Father, about like the fact that the the movie that they made of it, they 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 have Adam be a priest. What do you, what do you think about that connection? I mean, yeah, I, I haven't seen the movie. Uh, so, uh, I, but I did kind of do like you know, those couple of readings and summaries. I mentioned that. Um, I mean, I think it's it's uh, it's great in like that, especially elements of Adam's relationship with Teresa, of kind of stepping in to help raise of like that sense of like the promise that uh, is made at baptism, like the children that the church will help to raise, like, raise, and also um, that reality of like uh, the priest in a real way. Uh, symbolizing um, the fulfillment of God in His covenant. Um, so I think it, it's really kind of creative, artistic in the movie. But I, I didn't never saw that in the in the play. In, you, in your reading, I wouldn't think it would. In your reading of the drama, do you think he? I mean, how do you see it personally? Do you think he was a real person, or, or is he just a spirit? Well, oh no, I think he's a real person, and I think that's why, like, I, I kind of agree with like the casting that way of like the movie. Like, there is a priestly quality of like how he counsels, especially uh, Anna in the struggle of, like, using truth and pointing, especially to the bridegroom, like, which is the priest, priest function, right? <laughs> point to Christ, point to Christ. So I, I think it's brilliant. Um, I, I think in the play, he is a rich person. Okay, um, Na- Nancy, give, yes. us your, give us the feminine perspective. Who, who's Adam? How did you experience him? <laughs> okay, now going back to Adam as the priest, I thought of this, that when you go through marriage preparation how you're giving so much counsel, you get the benefit of the experience, not only uh, from the priest and, and seeing the sacrament of marriage in a particular way, you also get counseling from married couples as well. So once I knew that in the movie it was a priest, I could see it that way. But when you just look at the play itself, 
it comes to a realization in uh, the acts that follow is that Adam is a, a real concrete character. He was actually at the front with Andrew. And when Andrew was killed at the, at the front, and he even said, Andrew, as he left, what was it, I, I shan't return or I shall not be back, as he went off. So he was a real character then who entered the lives of Teresa and Christopher and was a strong father figure to Christopher, but realized that there wouldn't be, you know, a relationship a romantic marital relationship with Teresa. That is the love that transcended death in this play, Teresa's love for Andrew. You know, when, when, and so um, it uh, became a lot clearer to me when he became an actual character. Even you know, though I just you know, interesting about that is death. like uh, in my reading, especially as a as an ordained priest whose mm-hmm. life of celibacy, right, and who plays that role of priest and so forth. The um, this has had to be like my tenth reading of this to you know mm-hmm. prepare for this one. Right. And, and this time, as it struck me, it was I was overwhelmed with. I was like, oh my gosh, Adam is the Holy Spirit. You know, what I mean, just like mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, you can get all kinds of things out of this, but it was just there was times where I was just overwhelmed by like this is the very presence of God in their lives. Their relationship with God is He's showing up in all these places, and, and I was like, it, it actually transcends just a human person. Anyway, I was really struck mm-hmm. deeply, deeply by that. Well, as well, we well, are... Certainly, at, go yeah, ahead, it Nancy. It is the Holy Spirit. I'll just say that it is truly the Holy Spirit working through Adam. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, and, and again, it, Pope John Paul II, sainted man, was such a great classical scholar and an athlete, and such a fine literary man. And that's all in addition to what he brought to the Catholic faith and the Catholic experience here. So how lucky we are to have his works. A, a true renaissance man of, of our generation, mm-hmm. if ever there was one, I would say. Uh, as we're coming to the end of our discussion today, and the time always just seems to fly by with uh, with all of us together, uh, what kind of um, uh, spiritual lessons, so to speak, uh, do you take away with you, um, both of you, um, as, you know, to just try to summarize some of the, 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 the impact of, of the jeweler shop? Uh, well, yeah, speaking, if I could, sorry. Well, Go speaking ahead, Father. As wife yeah. of over, well, I'll just quickly say, speaking as a wife of over 40 years, uh, it, it was a great reminder of me to always recognize Christ in our marriage. Okay. Father Slattery. And I was go, like, it kind of echoes in a lot of themes of uh, Pope John Paul II's writings, but how, how um, man... You know, men and women, man is freed through the experience of love. And so just this uh, kind of, I think both of the, uh, you know, all of the characters really, you see this manifestation of how um, it really is the embracing of the vocation of love that leads to fulfillment and, uh, and like, in a real way, resolution, in the, both in the play, but also in their lives of contentment and happiness. Um, I think the most striking one for me is the, like the the characters of uh, Anna and Stefan, um, just in like their their struggle and like in the moving way in like which Adam points the Anna in like her struggle with their marriage to 
to Christ, uh, like again, and, and drawing close to Christ, the bridegroom, um, she begins to love uh, again her 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 spouse Stefan. Um, you know, it's just the illusions there are so moving um, for John Paul's uh, writing. So, and this work is a three act play, The Jeweler Shop by uh, Carl Wojtyla, Pope Saint John Paul II. Um, as we look ahead here, um, I'm wondering, Nancy and Father, if uh, you've been deliberating what we might uh, discuss for our next uh, our next visit together. Well, I had sent Father Slattery a title that I was thinking of because I've been thinking of marriages and literature, and I thought of the short story, The Necklace, by Guy de Maupassant, and uh, it's, it's not only full of irony, it is an interesting relationship of give and take. And who is the author? Guy de Maupassant, French author, looks like Guy, and... Uh, Demain Okay. And it's it's part of the common domain. So it it's an easy one to find. And that that's definitely a possibility for discussion. Well you've got I'm always interest. up for something new. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well let's do it. Let's do the necklace. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. You know, yep, Nancy is definitely one to broaden our horizons and <laughs> as, as as we uh as we travel down literary lanes. So Nancy and Father Slattery, thank you so much for taking the time uh to be with us and uh, uh blessings to you and the rest of your day. Well thank, thank you. you so much. All right. Now, folks, it's time to hear from you. Uh, questions that you may have for us, uh, for Father Leffer and me, Straight Talk is coming up. 877-795-0122 is the number to call, and we look forward to hearing from you, and we'll dive into that right after this. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In his letter to the city of Philippi, Paul exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. Then, just to make sure we get it, he repeats himself, rejoice he encourages us to have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to God. We can exercise trust and total dependence on Him. Praise, worship, and conversation with God are not designed to change Him. They are designed to change us. It is in the heart of that praise that we discover that nothing is impossible with God and that life in the Holy Spirit is a life of peace. This peace is our witness to a war-torn, bloody, fatigued, and depressed world. This peace is our birthright once we completely belong to Him. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. 
Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. The American Academy of Optometry recommends that all children receive eye exams every two years, beginning at six months old. As one of North Dakota's only fellowship-certified pediatric optometrists, it is my mission to ensure that children are screened for preventable eye conditions like lazy eyes, cataracts, and eye turns. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for children and adults, and you don't need vision insurance to book an appointment. You can schedule your appointment online at www.lumen.com. Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio.